Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Connecting to the big show. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Fox 96 FM. I'm here. I'm, on, I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. Thank you. <laughs> oh, Lord. When you press the button to talk to people and the CD player starts whirring under the desk, you wonder, what in the name of God? So I'm going to blame the weather. Would you look out at that? Would you look out at that mank that has descended upon us on Friday, the 14th of July? Happy Bastille Day, by the way, to any of our French listeners. What awful no I I press the same button as I press to talk to you every morning at five past nine and a CD started a CD drawer opened. Oh Lord. Good morning to you. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six the number, the text to WhatsApp is 083 three ninety six ninety six ninety six and the email is opinion at ninety six FM dot IE. Uh, Sarah says she loves the way I talk about the weather in the morning. She was drinking her her tears. We might as well be in bloody October. Certainly someone took July away and has given us back November. Now I'm reliably informed that this mank is down until at least three o'clock today. Yeah. We'll do the best we can, won't we? Listen, on a serious note, on travel, there's a car overturned on the M8 southbound. There's debris on the road. Uh, There's also an accident on the McCroom Bypass eastbound. Uh, Please try to avoid that area if you can at all. We don't know where that is on the M8 southbound. 
Let's see if we can find out because the M8 southbound like runs all the way from Dublin. So hopefully it'll be we can get a, a closer, a closer between junctions 13 and 14. Okay, thanks for that. Lots to do this morning, as always, with a Friday. You've plenty more to do than you can actually get to. Um, we'll get the unique take of a certain Mr. Hook on the Ryan Tuberty situation. That's just part of what we'll do this morning. But first, I, I mentioned yesterday that this was opening. It's a very fascinating trial. It's a cold case murder trial. The trial of a man called Noel Long with an address in Mulbon, Passage West. And he's charged with the murder of Nora Sheehan. Nora was murdered in 1981. And he is pleading not guilty. He's now 74 years old. And the case, the murder case, which is in the Central Criminal Court, comes as a result of a cold case investigation, which began quite a number of years ago. Uh, court reporter Frank Graney joins me. It's a fascinating case on a number of levels, Frank. Good morning. Good morning to you, PJ. Yes, uh, it certainly is. I mean, forensics have come a long way um, in the last 40 years or so since uh, Nora Sheehan's uh, body was found in um, a woodland area about 26 kilometres from where she lived in Cork City and as Brendan Grehan who is the prosecuting barrister was opening the case to the men and women of the jury yesterday he left them in no doubt that forensics would pay, play a central role in the trial that is expected to take up to uh, four weeks um, he gave the jury I suppose an overview of the case that he plans to present to them in the coming weeks we heard a little bit about Nora she was 54 years of age at the time as I say she lived in Cork City back in uh, June of 1981. She lived there with her husband, James. Um, he died a couple of years later in 1985. They had three sons, James Jr., Jeremiah and Hugh. And we heard that she used to work in a hospital, but that she had some sort of fall that led to her developing some health issues. Uh, Mr. Gren told the jury that she developed some um, um, some issues. She was quite eccentric, he said. She had some obsessions about a nearby hospital. She was often uh, seen out in the road near her home trying to wave down cars. Mm. She would also chat to people about the goings-on at the hospital. Uh, Mr. Gren described her as a vulnerable person. We heard some detail about the day that she went missing. This was the 6th of June in 1981. And she actually ended up in hospital that day um, in the South Infirmary Hospital after getting bitten by a dog. She mm. intervened. Two dogs in her area were fighting. She intervened. One of them bit her. Uh, she was seen by a doctor. She left the hospital at about 10 o'clock that night. And after she left, she was seen behaving oddly again. She was out in the road. She was waving cars down. There were a few sightings of her in the early hours of the following morning. But her visit to that hospital and her departure from it is considered her last definitive sighting. Yeah. Her husband and son, James, reported her missing. She remained a missing person until the following weekend. Yeah. Quite a number of the people who would be normally called to give evidence in a case like this, Frank, are no longer with us. The men who found the body are no longer with mm. us. As you said, uh, her husband is no longer with us. And the the coroner who, or the, I beg your pardon, the pathologist who performed the autopsy is no longer with us. The guards have a lot to pull together here forensically. Yes, and, and Brendan Grehan again in, in his opening address yesterday did touch on, I suppose, the challenges um, that a case of this antiquity 
brings. Um, you rightly mentioned that there are a number of witnesses that the prosecution would like to call to give evidence before the men and women of the jury. But because of the passage of the time, you know, some of them have passed away. Uh, some of them have moved away and aren't in a position to give evidence. But there are certain um, there are certain things that the legislation will allow statements, for example, that were maybe made at the time. You mentioned the two forestry workers who stumbled upon at Nora's remains six days after she uh, went missing. They have passed away, clearly not in a position to give evidence, but there is a mechanism in Irish law whereby their statements can be read into the record. Now, I suppose the difficulty there is clearly they can't be cross-examined. Their evidence can't be tested by the barrister representing Mr. Long in this case. So these cold cases do bring those challenges. Yeah. But as Mr. Graham said yesterday, the law hasn't changed. Mr. Long is charged with murder. Uh, he still has to prove his case beyond a reasonable doubt. All the same uh, yeah. rules apply. Again, yesterday, this was just an opening address no, to the tours. It wasn't evidence. That's right. That's right. Well, one thing with regard to the forensics, uh, the pathologist uh, died, I think, only a very short time after doing the autopsy on, on Nora back in the day. But he had the presence of mind to take semen samples and to take quite a number of samples which were usable many years later with new technology. That That's right. And, you know, the whole area of forensic analysis has come on leaps and bounds in the 42 odd years since uh, Nora Sheehan was, was killed. And you're right to say that samples were wisely preserved, as was common practice at the time. We certainly didn't have the technology at the time to analyze uh, microscopic DNA samples. Back in the day, the sample had to be around the size of a two euro coin. Nowadays, you know, a simple microscopic drop of blood or, you know, hair can be very accurately analyzed. But I suppose what happened in this case, these samples were preserved, as I say, no long, I should say, his his um, Opa Cadet was stopped um, a few days after the body was found. He lived uh, quite near um, where Nora Sheehan was living in Cork City at the time. His car was searched and DNA samples for, were taken from the car. They were, were also preserved. But it wasn't until 2008 when the Garda Serious Crime Review Team decided to take another look at this case, that they decided to send the preserved samples to a lab in the UK. This lab in the UK had the capability to to analyse these microscopic samples. We heard that some samples were taken from uh, no long um, a few years ago. These were sent to the uh, same lab. And as Brendan Grant put it at the jurors yesterday, and again, this isn't evidence. This was him simply just outlining his case to the men and women of the jury. But he said that the result came back that it was a match, that no Long's um, DNA sample was a match for some semen uh, found in relation to this case. And the suggestion was that as the prosecution will try and prove over the next three to four weeks that he had sex with Nora Sheehan uh, and that he was the one that killed her. And and obviously, Mr. Long, now in his 70s, as you say, has pleaded not guilty to that charge. All right. Frank, we'll catch up over the course of the next 
a couple of weeks uh, because it's a fascinating one. Frank Graney, court reporter, thank you. Uh, covering for us the case of Noel Long, 74 years of age, with an address in passage, uh, accused of murdering Nora Sheehan in June of 1981. Um, he is pleading not guilty. And that case continuing over the next few weeks at the Central Criminal Court. And if it should happen that any developments occur while I'm away, I'm sure Gareth will talk to Frank over that couple of weeks. It's one we'll watch with considerable interest because this is the cold case team looking at this. And they first took interest in it. I'm reading from the newspapers now. They first took interest in this back as far as 2008 when they were reviewing a number of files. Thank you. There's another interesting case too. This, it's going on. I've I've lost my notes on it. I'll come to it in a minute. But it's another one before the courts at the moment. Yes, this is a man pleading guilty to the manslaughter of the partner of his mother. There's Olivia Callagher writing about this in the Times. Andrew Nash of Parnell Street, Thorless County Tip. He was on trial here in Cork on Monday charged with the murder of Jonathan Ustick uh, between September 24th and 25th, 2017. This was in Skibbereen. And over the course of a few days, the Central Criminal Court was heard that he attacked him, raining blows down upon him, sliced his ear with a broken bottle, and then banged him over the head repeatedly with a sofa as he lay defenceless on the floor. There had been evidence for two days. The case resumed yesterday and then in the presence of the jury a request was made, as often happens I've seen it happen, he was rearranged in the presence of the jury, brought forward before the court, rearranged and he denied the murder of Mr. Ostick but he pleaded guilty to manslaughter and the prosecuting counsel said that entering the plea was acceptable Uh, he was then remanded in custody for sentencing and he'd be sentenced today at the Central Criminal Court sitting in Cork. That's one we'll watch. And if we get the result of that during the morning, we'll certainly bring it to you. There's a tree down on the Ballet Road in Carrigaline that's blocking the road on this manky July morning. A tree down the Ballet Road, Carrigaline. Let's go back to some of our correspondence from yesterday. Um, the, the water in West Cork, talking to Maria, they've lifted, or East Cork, they've lifted the boil water notice in, in Whitegate. And as Maria said, it's okay until it rains heavily. Well, sometimes look, look out at that. They might well be back on boil water notice. I've been on to you in the past about this issue. It's a disgrace. I'm not going back onto the tap water either, says Sarah in Ballinacurra. Maria said she wouldn't trust the, the water down there until they get it fixed the way it's supposed to be fixed. On bullying in school, chatting yesterday with Jen Hogan, the journalist, about bullying and its effects on schools. And she's doing some research, talking to school principals about when there is an issue of bullying in the school, the effect it has on them. And the restraints, or the constraints rather, on schools in trying to investigate bullying and more importantly trying to punish bullying. Maeve says bullying policy is all in favour of the bully. I've been there. I followed protocol. I still got nothing. I took it to the parents' WhatsApp group that sorted it almost overnight. If a pupil is being bullied out of school, uh, there's no name on this, but if a pupil is being bullied out of school, there is risk of bullying in school. Schools need to keep kids safe from harm and not be dealing with it retrospectively. 
It's a cop-out to say it happened outside of school hours. Prevention is better than cure. It is a bit of a cop-out to say it happened outside of school hours. Unfortunately, it's the law. The, the school has no control over what happens outside of school hours. That is unfortunately the situation. I remember a few years ago, uh, I was here on, on this programme actually, there was a fight there was school children, and I will not say male or female and where they were from, but there were school children on the south side of the city met in a field and tore lumps out of each other in an arranged, claim yeah, fight. And they got in trouble with the school because they were wearing their school uniforms at the time. And the school said, wherever you go after school, when you wear our uniform, you represent us. And they dis- the school disciplined them on that basis. Well, that's about the only case I've ever heard of that happening. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Corks 96 FM. Join the conversation. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Corks 96 the RTE story has been with us all week. We went to, into huge amounts of detail during the week. Don't propose to go into any of that toing and froing this morning, only to say that it's still going on. And once again, your newspapers are full of it. A couple of your comments over the last couple of days. The RTE saga is exactly what the government wanted and hoped for to deflect from the real issues before they go on their holidays. Yeah, the doll, the Eroctus, has risen now until, I think they're back around the 3rd or 4th of September. I'm open to correction on that. I can check it for you. But they're back until the 3rd or 4th of September. There is the old thing, and I used to subscribe to it years ago. Oh, they're on holidays now, and they won't be doing a stroke of work for the next three months. Not In fairness, that's not really true. That's not really true. Most of the politicians will take two, maybe three weeks off in August. But they're all at their desks. They'll all be at their desks on Monday or Tuesday. Uh, it's just the doll isn't sitting. And that's not defending them. That's just kind of nailing an old lie. Um, anyone that I've ever known over the years, any politician I've ever known over the years, they take a couple of weeks off in, in August. Um, and, and that's kind of it, really. But it is what it is. You may not believe that, but that is the truth. But yeah, the saga is exactly what they wanted to deflect from the real issues. Hi PJ says Dennis RTE should be a pay-per-view model all government funding and licence fees should be abolished if the management there are half as good as they say they are they'd thrive in that new environment it's called the real world says Dennis Mind you look at the look at the cost of pay for look at the pay-per-view Dennis and the streaming and the mess now that's Netflix Prime Apple they're all caught up in this writers strike we're talking with Hugh earlier in the week, Hugh Frawley, about the situation with writers, screenwriters and television writers. Now they've been joined by the actors. See where Killian Murphy walked out of a premiere in London last night in solidarity with the writers. The actors have now gone out on strike, which means Hollywood will probably stop. Barbie is opening this weekend or next weekend or something, and the Mission Impossible is opening tonight. Uh... But I don't think there'll be much more new stuff opening if the, if the actors stop working as well as the writers. Anyway, staying with RTE for a bit, uh, you'd, you'd expect a certain voice to, to chime in with his tuppence worth 
Uh, I speak of George Hook, who, George, I think what you're saying is that um, regardless of how this pans out, you can't see it being comfortable for Ryan Tuberty to go back. You, 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 I, think, I think you're saying his RTE career is effectively over. Um, that's your observation, George, from watching all the hearings and all the twings and froings over the last couple of weeks. Morning, George. Uh, well, good morning to you, PJ. Well, I mean, I think the first thing is that this is the best soap opera since Dallas, you know, <laughs> and, and the politicians involved are delighted. They're getting the best coverage possible a year before an election. Um, the other side of the coin is that as... Alan Kelly, the Labour TD, he said, we've been at this for days now and we know nothing. And and this is the real part. After all this, none of us know the truth. What we are looking at, in fact, I think, is a thing that's going on that actually stretches our credibility to the limit, whether it's the previous financial controller versus the current financial controller, the previous uh, director, and so on, so on. Um, however, the, the star of the late, late PAC show, um, Ryan Tuberty, they lost. I think uh, Ryan Tuberty and O'Kelly lost. Do you? Um, I do. I think... To make a claim, as Noel Kelly did, you know, this is the most trusted man in Ireland. Uh, like I thought, just it was nonsense. And then, you know, the children of Ireland love me and all this. I mean, that was pure soap opera. And it doesn't wash because whether you like it or not, uh, this is a trial may not be in front of a judge and jury, but it is in front of a jury of the Irish public. And and they'll make their own uh, assessment. Then strand number two is, according to what we read, the, the feeling in RT amongst the staff is 70-30 hmm. against Ryan Tuberty coming back. And then the third strand is that even if he does come back, is there an advertiser who will want to be associated with it? Because the whole thing, as we all know, nobody better than you, the advertiser wants to be associated with something that you know his product is, is associated with. And I think all three strands are going to be very difficult for him to, to come back. If they don't want to advertise with you, then you're goosed from the start. The, to use a sporting parlance, George, and I said it a couple of times here over the course of the few days, they were going in all sides of this, were going in on each other, studs up, leaving, as it would do, scars. So even if they could make it all up and patch it all up, you're facing a very damaged relationship an impossible situation, to be honest. I mean, I think coming back at this point is almost not for discussion, I would think. I, I think it's a, a sort of done deal. The, the, you know, the, the, the problem for him, Brother Athanasius was a great presentation brother when I was impressed. You have often quoted him. 
<laughs> well, that's because he was very important to me. And, and Brother Athanasius, I remember talking about telling lies. He, told, he, he talked about lies of omission and lies of commission. So, like, a lie of commission was where you formally told a lie. But if you allowed a lie that you knew was a lie, then it was a lie of omission. And that is what Tobity and Kelly have done. They, there were invoices flying around from all kinds of companies, from all kinds of countries, for all kinds of amounts, with all kinds of statements in the body of the invoice. They knew they were not kosher, and they didn't do anything. And then again, I'm indebted to Catherine Murphy for, I think, another great comment where uh, Noel Kelly kept saying, oh, we only did as we were told. We only did, we didn't know, we didn't know, we only did as we were told. And, and Deputy Murphy says, you realize this is the Nuremberg defense. Just following orders. Following orders. Yeah. We didn't know. We were just following orders. That's what Kelly was saying. I, well, they told me invoice the XYZ company. So I invoiced the XYZ company. They told me write consultancy. So I wrote consultancy. I don't. And, and the other thing you see is, as as those of us who've, who've been in the industry know very well, whether we had agents or whether we didn't have agents, the word agent is that that person is doing your bidding. Yeah. So it is inconceivable that Kelly would have gone into RDE and said, okay, I write this invoice or I do this money or I do that, that his client didn't know. There was a moment in it like, well, Ryan Tubby says, well, look, I don't know about numbers, really. Like, I'm an old age. I'm just an old agent, like, yeah. who doesn't know anything about invoices or numbers or anything. There's a key point here in that independent contractors, and again, for the ordinary listeners, an independent contractor has a company who invoices RTE. So Tubby Limited, or whatever it was called, invoices or GE. Now, at the end of the year, Tuberty Limited produces a set of accounts and he is, one presumes, a director of that company. Mm -hmm. He has to sign those accounts. He, he signs those accounts and says, everything on these accounts I have read, I have understood, and they are correct. So playing the innocent really doesn't cut it. Oh, I mean, because one earns a lot of money doesn't actually mean that you, you don't know what you're earning or you don't know what tax you're paying or you don't know how much money you're putting in your pension scheme or you don't know what the VAT rate is. There is a thing called, you know, and sometimes it's forgotten, called fiduciary responsibility. Yeah. You are a direct of a company. You have responsibilities and if you fail in those responsibilities you can be uh, hmm. struck off as a drudge. He, he had to know and that's why this idea of we didn't know just doesn't wash out. There is an issue. Did he, did he commit a criminal offence or whatever, absolutely not. Or did he commit fraud or whatever? Grant Thornton have clearly said, no, he didn't. However, what he cannot get away from is that you and I were reading in the paper 
uh, Art Tuberty took a pay course. The reality is he didn't take a pay course. Now, there's nothing criminal about that. There's nothing fraudulent about that. The problem for, I, like, I somebody asked me the question, like, if it was me, could I go back? And, and the answer I, I said was, well, if it was me, I couldn't go back because I... I couldn't walk into the canteen. Um, I I uh, I couldn't go on the radio. And and they, there's a story on the radio that there's a hundred fellas made redundant in uh, Rushbrook. You know, and then I'm suddenly crying salty tears about a hundred people losing their jobs when I'm actually earning half a million. And I haven't told people I'm earning half a million. Nobody objects to people earning half a million, and I'm a, nobody. Yeah. Nobody earned like that the the great old phrase, the laborer is worthy of his hire. Somebody brought and well we know he brought in more advertising than he was paid. So great. Yeah. But we want all we want to know if you're the as his agent said, the most trusted person in Ireland. Not anymore. Not anymore. And that's the problem for him. I, I mean, it, I know what it's like to be cancelled. Nobody better than me knows what it likes to be cancelled. Yeah. I, nobody than me knows better than having members of the Irish media standing outside your house. Uh, uh, you know, nobody knows better than me than having stories written about you in the press. So and do I have sympathy for him? By God, of course I do. Do I do I feel for him? I do. Do I know what it's like? I do. Yeah. But we if you live by the sword, you die by the sword. So therefore, his problem now is that for X number of years he was there and said, Trust me, I'm your man. You can trust me. Very difficult to say that again. And that's that's a challenge for him. George, you you, you mentioned your own Situation which we all remember like it was only yesterday. Do you miss? Do you miss the frontline game? Uh, it, that's right. I'm not avoiding it, but I I missed it initially, as you would. Yeah. Right. Um. But then my family were deeply hurt. I think people forget the collateral damage. And, like, I always remember that day when there was media men literally banging on my window and on my door and putting messages through my letterbox and ringing my phone. And my family were hurt. And it was difficult for my family to be reading stuff in the paper about me. And, like, when the Twitter are are let loose and what they say about you, it's hard to miss it, like when you know. Listen, if I if I went back there tomorrow, they'd all be off and running again, and I don't want that, you know. So, so the short answer is no, I don't. Yeah, it was a choice of words that landed you in in hot water. I said to my team here every morning, "There's a couple of things I want to be sure of: one, that I don't drop an f bomb; two, that I don't libel anybody." But most of all, that I get from 9 to 12 without saying something that'll get me cancelled. And that's getting increasingly difficult. I don't envy you, let me say immediately, because things that I said on radio, more importantly, things I said on, on rugby and so on, 
just couldn't be said today. So when people might criticise modern-day broadcasters or modern-day sporting panels or otherwise, very often they don't appreciate that they are working under much greater constraints uh, than were there ten, just as little as 10 years ago. Do you think it's much harder for people to be outspoken now, George, because of the way the, the way the reactions come in? Yeah, outspoken is outspoken is a word to just disappear from broadcasting the, the dictionaries. You know, yeah, it just it, won't exist. Yeah, I think that's why you don't miss it. Yeah. Lastly, come back to Mr. Tuberty and Co. Uh, and RTE in general, where you applied your trade as rugby pundit for many years. Do you think this story is anywhere near over? Oh, no. No, no, no. If you want to know who's going to get the answers here, it's the good old revenue commissioners. Because the revenue commissioners have more powers than, than the Gestapo. And the guys at the revenue commissioners, I can just imagine, they're looking at their television and they're saying, we have to go in there and we have to ask all these guys about motor cars. We have to go in there and ask these guys about their invoicing. I think long after the TDs packed up, long after we're talking about it, the revenue commissioners will be in the lives of everybody that has been mentioned in this. George, a pleasure. Thank you. And thank you for asking. No, no problem, George. <laughs> he still he still doesn't put a tooth in it. You have to hand it to him. George Hook, uh, he's right, though. And the way he said there at the end, the ultimate winners here would be the revenue commissioners. Because like he said, they have more powers than the Gestapo. And if there's a cent to be got... They'll squeeze it out of you, no matter who you are. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96 FM. Wake up in my bed, I just want to have a good day. Lorraine and Ross in the morning. On Cork's 96FM. The countdown is on. Okay, Lorraine, show checklist. Thousands of euros to give away. Sorted. A massive celebrity guest. Yeah. Flaming flamingos and a trampoline. I'm working on it. You're letting the side down now. Join us for the brand new breakfast show Monday from 6 on Cork's 96FM. If you were to look at the topics that come up on the opinion line most frequently in the course of any one year, up in the top 10 would be animal cruelty and the way people treat Animals, and we had reports of dogs, dead dogs in the street up around the north side of the city last week. We have heard, seen so much on that documentary during the week. Talked to Fran McNulty about it yesterday. And we spoke to the man who rescued a Shetland pony from a second floor apartment in Kerry. Now, thankfully, that pony is okay now and is uh, living in Cork, actually. There's just so much of it out there. The cruelty to and abuse of animals. It's, it's off the scale, is the best way to describe it. Caroline Faherty is the welfare inspector with the ISPCA covering the Cork area. She joins me. Caroline, first time for us to chat. Good to have you on the programme. Um, good morning to you. We have a serious problem with the way animals are treated, don't we? Um, yeah, we do. And I think... This year, things have probably gotten worse. I know the ISPC 
have taken in double the amount of dogs in the first six months of this year as than they did for the whole of last year, which has put a, a considerable pressure on our resources, as you can imagine. Why do you think you've taken in so many this year? Why are they being abandoned? Um, there's a variety of reasons, I suppose. The cost of living crisis, the fact that so many people adopted dogs or bought dogs during COVID and while they were all working from home or off work at home and now they're all back to work and can't look after the dogs properly. Um, the puppy farms are still breeding the way and selling puppies. I mean, if you go on to dogs.ie or any of those sites, there's thousands of dogs for sale in Ireland every day of the week. Um, puppy, do- puppy dogs thriving, Caroline, while at the same time the rescues are full. How yeah, do- and the how- rescues are underneath at this stage. I mean, very how few rescues are taking. How is that happening? I suppose, I don't know, is it greed? Um, there's, you know, and then I suppose people think they want a certain type of dog. So most people want the small, fluffy, cute little dog that looks like a teddy bear, you know? So mm. they want one of these little little mixed breed dogs with a fancy name, like something with a poo in it or Cavachon or multi poo or, you know, one of these made up names. Mm. Um, and then we end up having loads of dogs that are perfectly good family dogs, whatever, like Collies or Lurchers, whatever, and nobody has any interest in adopting them, you know? So. Yeah. Yeah. I have I have a little Cavachon myself. He's a much loved member of the family, but he was kind of a runt of his litter. Nobody wanted him, so I said I'll have him. Now he's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, sometimes we'll start off as a runt. Might end up being the best the best dog I've ever Ah, listen, stop. But and and also and uh, lurchers, a much maligned old uh, fool yeah. of a dog. I mean, we have... Nobody wants them. Nobody wants them. We have the amount of lurchers that we have that are the most easygoing, relaxed dogs that will walk alongside you, not a bother, great recall, mm. don't need very much exercise, great with kids, and nobody wants nobody wants them. Mm. We have we have lurchers with us going on a year or more that nobody wants. It would be beautiful family pets, you know? Yes, I think people look at the size of them and the long legs and they, and, and they think A, fierce, and B, you can't keep exercise or fed. Yeah. Not and true. Lurchers come in, they do come in various sizes. Some of them, the pretty ones are a bit smaller and then some of the other ones are quite big. Mm. Would you be surprised if you were on the couch and if there's three of you sitting on the couch, a big lurcher would be able to squeeze into the tiniest in the corner. <laughs> Actually, yeah, my, my daughter sent me a picture. She, she's weak for lurchers. And, and she brought one home to her apartment one night to mind him, you know. Yeah. She's a veterinary nurse. <laughs> you want to see the little stool he curled up on, like it's, you know, it's gas. The collies. And, and do you know what? Lurchers are actually the easiest. If people are working... They're the easiest dogs to have because you leave them out in the morning and if they have a good run in the morning, they're quite happy to snooze away for the, for the rest of the day. It's like myself, I suppose, really, you know, Caroline, in that, in that regard. Collies, I mean, probably the most intelligent of all dogs. A collie will nearly talk to you. Why don't people want collies? I suppose they're very, very intelligent. They need a lot of exercise. They need a lot of mental stimulation. They're a working breed dog. Um, you get people getting them because... I mean, they're beautiful, beautiful looking dogs and the puppies are really gorgeous and stuff. But collies need constant stimulation, you know, and they also need to be trained to, you know, to know when it's calm time or quiet time and stuff like that. And people, I suppose, sometimes the dogs are that bit more intelligent than some of the people that are getting them, Joe, and they don't train them properly. 
and then they end up becoming destructive, you know? <laughs> I love the way you just dropped that in. <laughs> Colleagues are a bit more intelligent than some of the people that are getting them. Yeah. <laughs> I had I had one years ago, lovely lad called DJ and more intelligent beast you could not bring inside your door. They're, they're uh, incredible yeah. creatures. They uh, really I grew are. up with my parents have two at the moment and they'd actually they'd buy and sell you. They're, <laughs> yeah, they really would. Uh, they would and they'd deposit the change in the bank while you're exactly. looking. <laughs> exactly. Now, we're having a laugh, Caroline, but there's some nasty stuff going on. I heard about it. I was sent video of it. But I wouldn't believe it until a professional like you tells me. There are people blooding the poor old lurchers to kill cats. That's incredible cruelty to both the lurchers and the cats. Yeah, it is. I suppose it kind of happens. You hear about it every year. You hear about it kind of, in, you know, going on in different places and stuff. It's usually young fellas, like, and I don't mean to stereotype or whatever, but it is usually young fellas who are out with their lurchers, blooding them for hunting. Um, I know I worked in a rescue in West Cork for years before I joined ISPCA and we wouldn't rehome cats to certain parts of the city because of this carry-on, because it wasn't safe for them, you know. Mm. Um, so a lot of time with people with cats, we would kind of urge them maybe make sure they're always in at night time or in at evening time, you know, to keep them in. Yeah. If you're in a position to build a cashier or something out the back of your house that they can go out and be saved. Um, do that rather than have your cats roaming around because it, it can be dangerous for them, you know. And virtually, they've been, it's not their fault. This is what, you know, this is yeah. what they're allowed to train them to do, you know. So, yeah, it's incredible cruelty. It, it, it really it, is. It is, it is awful. Yeah. It is, I mean, anyone that has ever witnessed a cat being torn apart by dogs, it's absolutely horrific. Well, there's the thing, Carolyn, if you know cats and they keep cats, and I do, I've had cats for years as well as dogs. And they do live together. It's a myth that they that they don't. Oh, absolutely. But, but, but I've been sitting here now on top of each other. on top of each other. Most cats <coughs> will get away from any dog very handy, unless that dog is trained. Uh, yes, or if there's a pack of them, which makes it more difficult for them to get away, you know? Mm. And usually what happens is, they, 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 when this happens, they're going around in a pack, so there'd be a few fellas with a pack of dogs, you know? Horrible. <coughs> Horrible. We'll talk again, Caroline, I have no doubt. If anybody wants to bring something to your attention, there is a hotline and it's manned and there's a web forum. So you're making me some of those details. Yeah, so if they want to contact us, that we have a phone number that they can contact us on. Now, that phone number is often very busy. Mm. Um, so the other option is if they go onto our website, ispca.ie, and there's actually um, a web form that they can fill out. Very good. So any... Anything that gets sent to me, I will always investigate. Do you know what I mean? So I, co- I covered the whole of Cork. So, I mean, somebody might put in something and go, Jesus Christ, I put that in yesterday and there's no sign. You know, I didn't see any inspector coming yet, but I, I will get there, you know. Okay. Um, okay. I do a lot of mileage, obviously, covering the whole of Cork, city and county. So, um, yeah. but, so the web form is usually one of the best. Okay, and it's checked, it's checked frequently and you'll get, oh, to, yeah. and you'll, yeah. you'll get to it. As I said, the, the phone lines are... Are, are often very busy, so it's probably the best way to contact us, really. And your advice, if you have a cat, keep it in if there's a lurcher in the area. And adopt, don't, don't buy. Well, adopt, don't shop. And because, like, to be honest with you, like, people will say things, oh, I got a cockapoo, because they're nice, quiet dogs. Cocker spaniels are a working breed. Poodles are a working breed. Do you know what I mean? And you mix two working breeds together, and you have a hyperactive little dog. 
That's true. That's actually, you know? I know someone who had a, had a difficulty with a cockapoo and had to abandon it for that, had to give it to a rescue for that yeah. precise reason. Beautiful dog, gorgeous creature, but just couldn't live where the person was, so they had to abandon it, which is unfortunate. Yeah. And like at the moment, most rescues aren't even taking surrenders because they're not in the position to take yeah, surrenders. It's all, it's all welfare cases that, that they're taking, you know? Exactly. So if people are thinking about surrendering the dog, maybe consider other options like getting a dog walker or doggy daycare or something, you know? Okay. All right. Caroline, we will talk again. Caroline Faherty, she's the welfare inspector with ISPCA covering uh, the Cork area. First time on the programme. It won't be the last. Thank you. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. The minds are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cox 96 FM. Actually, there's the thing. If you're stuck for something to do tonight, you certainly won't be sitting out, put it that way. There'll be no sitting out on the deck with a glass of wine tonight. Not at all. A movie might go down well. If you haven't seen it and you remember the original, even if you don't remember the original, uh, I'm not at all surprised to see how successful Top Gun Maverick was. It's brilliant. Top Gun Maverick is fabulous. And if you have a decent-sized television screen, you will enjoy it immensely. So that's something you could do tonight, is watch that. I know that... um, Young Mr. Murdoch and his good lady wife are headed off to see the the new Mission Impossible tonight. You might want to go to the cinema to see that. I'm looking forward to that, actually. My boy said to me, Dad, that's not one we're going to watch at home. You know that, don't you? (laughs) I know. I know. But, uh, yeah, tonight might almost certainly be a movie night in, in many houses. Morning. 0818 96 96 96. Uh, George Hook, lots of people happy to hear him back on the radio, uh, giving his tuppence worth on the Tuberty story. George is a legend, says uh, Joe. He was the best pundit in RTE sport after Eamon Dunphy and Joe Brawley. <laughs> Joe, Joe Brawley now pushing a bit for me. I can't really take Joe Brawley, but yeah. Eamon Dunphy, I ah, love Dunphy all day, but George, George on rugby. Yeah, George on rugby was was the best at it. And I almost, you know, I'm going mad. I forgot what I had him on the flipping telephone. I forgot to ask him how he thinks the under-20s will do tonight. I have a good feeling on that. I must watch that match and then maybe watch a movie. Um, I have a good feeling about that. You get a couple of cans in and watch that rugby match. Dearmid says, it was great to hear George on the radio. Our super broadcaster. It's just a shame he isn't on air anymore. Shows where the media has gone. PJ, you can offend me anytime. <laughs> thank, thank you, Dearmid. Don't, 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 listen. Be careful what you wish for, buddy. 0818 96 96 96 is the number. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96 and your email is opinion at 96fm.ie I want to talk to Carol for a little while. Um, Carol, I watched a video that you made nine or ten minutes talking about what you have been through and I'd start by saying I'm, I'm sorry for your loss. The most recent miscarriage was in May. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you very much. Yeah, oh, I'm, I'm glad you got a chance to watch it. Yeah, it was um, just my opportunity just to 
I suppose, speak my thoughts, really. Um, so, yeah, basically what happened is my husband and I have been trying for a baby for a while. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, unfortunately, we suffered uh, another miscarriage. Um, so this is my fourth, unfortunately. Um, and I I just, for the first three, um, to be perfectly honest with you, I just suffered in silence. Um, I think it's a thing that women feel like they've done something wrong. And so I just went into myself. I didn't really talk about it. I just kind of tried to brush it off. But all the while I was kind of blaming myself. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of women can relate to that. Um, the, so, the number of women who lose mm, a child through miscarriage. Mm, you quote it as one in four. That's yeah, it's scary, one in four Carol. in the UK. Yeah, in in, in Ireland it's one in five. I've just read. So yeah, it's quite common. Yeah, you live in the UK. You're from Carrigaline, which you live in, in Swansea. Beautiful Swansea. Yeah. Love Swansea. I love, yeah. love it. It's a gorgeous place. Yeah, I married a Swansea boy, so I've I've got the best of both worlds. We have only an ocean between us. <laughs> good for you. Good for you. So four miscarriages, and mm. you're now you're you're still quite 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 young. I, the the medical geek in me is mm. is driven to ask: mm. Have you had an explanation as to why? It's very difficult. It's very difficult to determine because there's so many factors from what I understand. Now, I'm no expert whatsoever, but from the fantastic NHS um, team that have taken care of me, I've asked that question myself, like, was it something I did? Was it my health? What? Um, And like myself and my husband, we, we went for what's called a fertility MOT before we started trying. So what this does is it, it checks you out, basically. It checks the, the equipment, like an MOT suggests. Mm-hmm. Um, so you get blood tests for the women, and they, they look at your hormone level. They look at your egg kind of count, or, you know, you get a proper ultrasound. Um, and for the men, they get their sperm analyzed, etc. So we got the green light from the doctors. They were like, you're both healthy. You know, we keep our, our weight quite low. You know, we eat quite well. We don't really drink that much. We don't smoke, you know, all of that. We try and be healthy. Um, Since I've started trying, I reduced my um, caffeine intake. I only have like two cups of tea a day. Uh, Everything else is is caffeine free. Mm. Lots of fruit and veg. You know, I've gone to Zoom sessions to learn about nutrition and everything. So there can be loads of reasons. It can be a chromosome defect in the actual embryo themselves. It can be just they they don't attach. It can just be a hormonal imbalance. There's like so many. I couldn't even go into the reasons. So that's that's why I wanted to speak out yeah. because I think I think sometimes women and and maybe sometimes men blame themselves, and it really isn't that. It, it's just it, the way a doctor explained it to me. Like the, if the chromosome is damaged, they wouldn't have a particularly nice life anyway. Yes. So. It's nature's way of kind of being kind, even she, though it's it's a horrible experience to go through. It's one way of looking at it. Mm. I, I spoke to a woman, Carol, one time who had eight miscarriages. Oh gosh, bless her! And 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 she was trying to become pregnant again, and yeah. and she did, and I think subsequently she had a baby, which I was thrilled mm. for. Her. Mm, absolutely. But I asked you a question, the same question to you. Mm. What you still have that drive to keep going? Yeah, well, I, I'm i a Christian, I'm a very proud Christian, and I believe that, you know, God doesn't give you um, things for no reason, so I think there's a purpose from the pain. So I think, 
because I'm quite an extrovert and for me to be quiet about something trust me my family and my friends would be like no that's not Carol <laughs> she doesn't stay quiet about anything so <clears throat> when I found the strength to just kind of speak out to women I think that's the purpose behind all of this is to, to come alongside my, my sisters you know and just say it's okay like it's not your fault and for the men as well I think sometimes the men get a little bit shut out because perhaps they they can't fix it you know I, I think there's um, you know a, an onus in men to try and fix yes. it you know what can I do and all you can do is just be beside your partner you know and, and just support them and unfortunately because of hormones and things sometimes like I definitely have gone through mood swings and bless my husband he's been very patient he hasn't taken it to heart you know I've got the flowers I've got chocolates I've got like a brilliant community around me like my church for the first week when we went through it cooked us meals every day and dropped them up to the house you know and it's just that type of love in the community that's really helpful um but I think the main message PJ I think the reason why I want to keep going and keep you know the kind of as I say the purpose behind the pain is just to to let other people know that like this is so common like yeah. it's, it's one in four or one in five depending where you live and um, just not to blame yourself and don't give up the hope you know I think that's very important like I'm we're, we're still trying and I still have hope that a baby will come along um, and you may have seen in the video like what I said is I think this baby that I lost was just stretching my heart muscles because I think being a mother is incredibly difficult yes. but incredibly beautiful so yeah. you, you say I was reading the echo yesterday you talked to Chris Dunn in the echo mm, and, and yeah. also on the video you say that you've mothered everything yeah. from your Barbie doll to your cat <laughs> yeah. to your, to your yeah. husband yeah the desire to be a mammy it's the yeah. big, is it the is it almost the biggest part of you Carol a hundred percent like I remember when I was younger I used to like strive to be a career woman but as I got older I was like I would happily stay at home and don't get me wrong, I'm an independent person and I, you know, I've been lucky enough to go to UCC and I'm educated and I've brilliant jobs and stuff. But like if I had the choice, I would stay at home and be a mom to a football team. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if I could, that's right. Because, because, you know, I think a lot of it is down to my own mother. Like she's such a loving person and my dad too. I've I've been very blessed with a really supportive family. And when I met my husband, I was very, <laughs> I was very forthright and said, listen, don't be wasting my time. I, w I want to be a wife and a mother. And if you're not interested in helping me with that, jog on. <laughs> so he's you're not a woman that, you know, <laughs> minces your words. No, I was 36 no. at the time, PJ. Like, I didn't have time to be messing about. So, um, yeah, so he's, he's the same. Like, he's, he's such a dad to people. Like, he, he's... He's just a brilliant person and very kind. And mm -hmm. I just thought the two of us together, you know, we'd make little little legends. Um, and, you know, if it doesn't happen biologically, I have no issue with adoption or fostering. Yes. Um, you know, and it is true. Like, I'm a mother by heart. You can ask any of my friends. I'll, I'll come alongside them. Even at work, I'll be the person making a cup of tea and getting a chocolate bar to someone who's had a crap day, you know. So, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. It's just, I think it's it's instinctual. I think you either... I think you either are or you aren't. And, um, like, I respect women who choose not to have a baby. That's perfectly, perfectly fine. It's just not my choice. My choice, if possible, mm. will be to have a child of my own. Um, yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, you, you said that one of the reasons you're speaking out is because so many people 
don't. Yeah. And I think unto, I, I'm doing this show 10 years for next February. Mm, if, congratulations. Thank you. If they haven't sacked me first. Um, <laughs> but even 10 years ago, mm. Carol, people didn't talk. No. Now they're starting to. Mm. And it's great. Yeah, I think I think it does take courage. I think um, certainly I've spoken to different people, and I've had people who you know I was I've lost contact with, and I put it out, and they've come back to say, "Oh, myself and my husband went through that, or my sister went through that, or my cousin, or what have you," you know. And and people are so afraid, BJ. It's it's such a tragedy. Like people are so afraid to talk about something that is actually so common, mm. and dare I say it, very normal. You know, people go on to have healthy pregnancies. The the gynecologist I spoke to in Singleton Hospital in Swansea told me, like, there's no reason why your next pregnancy wouldn't be successful. You know, there's a real hope there. And mm. I think, I don't know whether it's a female thing that we just take on the blame or is it, I don't know what, why it is, but I'd certainly felt that way, that I was like, oh, clearly I must have had a pint too many or... Oh, I, I must have fallen over, or I wasn't very good with my caffeine intake, or I'm overweight. You know, you can. The list goes on, and I think you beat men, yourself it's, up about it. It's. I don't know how to explain. It. I suppose it's because it's happening to you, and I, I don't really know the reason. I think, yeah, it's a very odd thing because mm. I suppose because you're the 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 guardian or the keeper of the baby, perhaps you feel like you did something. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not the case. It, scientifically, it's just not the case at all. So, if I could do anything to to help somebody, just feel like, just give yourself a break. Like your body's through the actual process of it is actually very traumatic, mm-hmm. and you can have pain like six, eight weeks afterward. You can, you know, be really suffering. Like I, my health still few months on my health still isn't a hundred percent like I'm still exhausted okay. um so it you takes really, a lot out of you it really does like I'm quite an active person but I struggle these days to take my dog for like a 20 minute walk you know um so if I could just wrap my arms around every family who are going through this and just say please be kind to yourself because this is trauma it is it is massively, you know, and do you have counselling? I did, yeah, yeah. I'm quite, um, I'm quite a fan of counselling. It definitely helped pull me out of the water, shall we say, because um, it's so easy to to beat yourself up and and to get into a really dark place, you know, because you're grieving. It is a death at the end of the day, you know. Um, one thing that certainly helped me was um, doing a fundraiser with a charity called Sands. Mm-hmm. So they're an organisation who helps specifically with like stillborn miscarriages, neonatal deaths, um, and they set a challenge with that, which I thought was really clever, to jog 60 miles in June. Now I am not a runner, <laughs> so for me to to jog 60 miles is quite <laughs> not in one go. I think. no, no, no. Thankfully, you could do it across the month. Um, so that, that gave me purpose as well. That got me out of bed. That got me running every day. I had a Facebook group of, of women who've gone through it as well. You know, and we were sending each other encouraging messages. I managed to raise £219 for the charity, which Good I was you. delighted. Well you know, and it was just being part of a group who got it. You know, that's the other side of it. Like when you're saying, 
like you know there's really weird things that happen to you like sometimes I feel like somebody's missing in my house you know and I can't quite put my finger on it it's like oh yeah you know when you're preparing for a baby you have little bits and you know just imagining them like can you imagine like little baby finger holding your finger and things like that it's it's all it's not that you even lose the baby it's it's that you lose that future that you were looking forward to as well yeah there's a thing called nesting yeah exactly exactly and then there's nothing to put in the nest no exactly but what I will say is there's lots of support out there like I've been doing a bit of research around what's what what goes on in Cork and um, there is in the Cork University Maternity Hospital there is a, a Cork miscarriage unit um, and there's a website corkmiscarriage.com and from the brief look that I had there they seem really really supportive as well and mm. um, yeah something that you intend to do in your new house uh, mm. have you have you moved yet not yet no we're still we're still going through the the process mm-hmm. but you you tend to remember <laughs> yeah the four lost babies you yeah. you tend to remember them in your garden talk to me yeah about that. yeah so i think a, a a big part of uh bereavement is is actually saying goodbye it sounds quite simple but actually when you don't for me i didn't have a physical body because it was so early on in the pregnancy so it's it's a bit of a, a mind mess up a little bit to not have something to bury or something to honor so i and my husband decided to um plant um some beautiful plants that we can take care of in our new garden mm. um and it's just another way to nurture it's a, it's a way to honor it's it's almost like a place to pray or to talk to um and it's you know it, it's something that um life is life isn't it and perhaps maybe i didn't get to take care of the baby but i could get to take care of the plant and if the plant isn't doing well i'd give it extra nutrients if it's blossoming beautifully i'll take photos and i'll show it off mm. you know just the way that you would with a little child my my wife is um a gardener she oh, she tea. loves her flowers and her plants <laughs> and we were sitting out one evening recently and I said Christ I said you love them roses more than me <laughs> you know so I know exactly what you mean you know it she does take a lot to of them she yeah knows. oh I do too like I talk to my flowers all the time I'm growing sunflowers at the moment oh, I, love sun- I'm I, like, I love sunflowers oh, Carol so, I love yeah. sunflowers they're they're a beaut like they they just are a divine plant to to have round and I'm like hi guys how yeah. are you this morning you know, they smile at you them. don't they they do they definitely do and it's just it's another reflection of life do you know what I mean and even though I physically don't have the baby I have that spirit you know and and my gynecologist told me that um, once you are pregnant your DNA changes so I'm not the same person that I was before. Even oh, really? physically, yeah, That's the DNA changes within you. So I used to say, "Oh, I'd love to be a mother," and my gynecologist was, "Well, you are. You are a mother. You, your body has physically changed with the DNA of that child growing inside you. So you're not the same person as you were before." And that was such a relief. I was like, "Oh, I am a mom, actually. Oh, that's that's huge, you know." They're not here with you, but yeah, they're still they're yeah. in your heart. Exactly. And like none of us are guaranteed a long life, you know what I mean? So, you know, the the way I think about it from a Christian perspective is that that child went straight to heaven. It didn't have to suffer any pain or any, 
you know, abuse or, or any kind of mean stuff in life. It just went straight to heaven. And yeah. how, how beautiful is that? Your, 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 your gynecologist was a wise person. Oh, she was brilliant. Absolutely she said brilliant. Your, your DNA, and I didn't know, I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure science can probably prove this, mm. your DNA yeah. changed the moment yeah. you became pregnant. Yeah. You are a mother, you have been yeah. a mother four times, you, yeah. you don't actually have a baby to hold yet, yeah. hopefully that will come someday, yeah. but you're exactly. already a mother and you acknowledge that everybody needs to acknowledge, and I think messages starting to come in here now, Carol, oh. you're, you know, you're amazing to hear for the thousands of women who are suffering or have had miscarriages, that's mm. in from, from Katie, that I think the message you're trying to get across, and forgive me if I'm clumsy with words here. That's okay. I'm just a man. We get <laughs> these things wrong. Like, you've been a mother four times. You don't have one to hold in your hands no. or your arms. You've four to hold in your heart. Exactly. And that is for, you, you want every mother who's ever had a miscarriage in court yeah. to understand that. Definitely, and celebrate that, like your body... Your body did that like creating life is no mean feat like it's it's a huge honor and it's a huge privilege and you should pat yourself on the back that you know for those who are trying like you got pregnant the amount of women who can't even get to that stage mm. you know it's a really hard road and i i just think hopefully the day that i have a baby whether it's biologically or adoption or what have you that i'll just hold that child that little bit tighter because i know how difficult the journey was and i would just I would just call on parents out there, those who have children, and some of them might be driving you absolutely up the walls. I get that. <laughs> but just hug them because not everybody has an easy road and not everybody actually gets to take their baby home from the hospital, you know. So just be grateful for what you have. And even when they drive you demented, you know, they're your pride and joy at the end of the day and they're a gift. Yeah, yeah. I think you're fantastic. I watched, <gasps> I, get sent, I get sent videos to watch for this programme frequently mm. and I always look at the duration of the video and I mm. think you know and I've, I've, I've become guilty of having the modern short term memory or short term <laughs> interest and I'm thinking that's nine and a half minutes to a half <laughs> it, was, it went by like ten seconds oh, thank it flew you. by we're going to share it thank you. on our Twitter and thank on you. all of our other platforms so people can watch it and listen, and listen to you. If yeah. anybody, if anybody wants to contact miscarriage.ie, they can do that. Mm-hmm. Carol, I, I wish you, I wish you luck. I, I know in my heart it'll happen for you someday. Thank you, PJ. I really appreciate that, and God bless all your listeners. And yeah, if if the video can help at all, it's you know at the end of the day, it's only my experience. Some people choose not to speak about it, and that's perfectly their right to do it. I'm not saying that's wrong, but um, yeah, I just just. Thank you for the opportunity to, to help others because that's, that's the whole point. Really. We'll share it with our friends in the press as well. They may wish oh, to take your video on board. And this interview we will share very, very widely. Give my love to Swansea. It's been a few I years will. since I was there. Oh, well, when you're over, I'll have a couple of berries ready for you. <laughs> <laughs> Carol, thank you. Take care. God bless. Thank See you. you. Bye-bye. Bye. That's uh, Carol Kyrudin, uh from Carrigaline, but based in Swansea, living in Swansea. The video we'll share. Uh, as I said, I get so many videos to watch for this program and I look at the duration and go, Christ, do I really have that many minutes in my time? Wow, it's 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 powerful, very powerful stuff. And um, I enjoyed that. I was nervous about that conversation because I'm always just being a fella. I think being a fella, you've no idea what it's like to talk to someone who's had a miscarriage. Uh, so, yeah. Thanks, Carol. I'll treasure that uh, that interview. 0818 96 
9696. We'll send it to all our friends in the press. We'll put the video up on our Twitter. And we will podcast it uh, later after the show. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing. Focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Cork loves the arts. We do too. That's why we bring you the Arts House. Every Sunday on Cork's 96 FM. Hi, it's Elmarie. Join myself and Connor every Sunday morning to find out what's happening in the arts all over Cork. There's so much happening. Fantastic festivals with great events for all ages. And we'll tell you all about them. The Arts House. Sunday mornings, 8 to 10. With Griffin's Potatoes. Feeding Cork families with delicious Griffin's New Seasons Queens. Cork's 96 FM. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plushcare. Plushcare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Join the conversation. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cox 96 yeah, we will share Carol's video. I think we may have shared it already on our Twitter. We are sending it to our friends in the press and also we will podcast the interview after the show. Uh, what a wonderful, brave woman. I wish her well, says John. Uh, Kevin reminds us, and yes, and I'm a huge fan of failacon.ie. Always worth a mention, especially after speaking to Carol. That, that, thank you, Kevin. Failacon. Dot I-E, F-E-I-L-E-A-C-A-I-N dot I-E. And uh, Katie again, fantastic woman, her story, amazing to hear for the thousands of women who are suffering or who have suffered miscarriages. And there are people, Karen makes that point and it's a very, very valid point. There are people who had miscarriages 10, 15, 20 years ago, might have had multiple miscarriages. They don't talk about them, they never have talked about them and they keep it locked up inside themselves. Carol says, talk, tell a friend, tell somebody, just talk. Um, and that, that child may not be in your arms, but will always be in your heart. 
That's the message from this morning. 0818 96 96 96. Now, we, I think we talked. Sharon Welsh, I think we spoke before uh, in Be Happy Montessori in Yall. Unfortunately, Hi. some sad news. Morning. Hi, how are you? You have to close. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so two days before we, we we had an open day on the Monday uh, for the parents and children that were coming in September. Yeah. And um, two days before we closed, they, they told us that um, they weren't renewing the contract for the premises. They wanted it back because their numbers had increased. So they needed the classroom back. So, um, yeah, I just had to have all my stuff out and Unfortunately, it didn't give me enough time to find a place because um, even if I found the suitable premises, um, taking into all you know the uh, restrictions and regulations with Tusla, um, you still have to give them 60 days notice, um, and then they before they come out to inspect the place, so you have to hand in like all these like uh, plan permission, all these forms and regulations, policies. And then when they're satisfied with all the paperwork, only then will they come out and inspect the place. And you can't move in until they approve. So that could take months and months and would just lose all those children and they they would have gone somewhere else. So, so you, you, know, you had a premises yeah, and yeah. you thought everything was good. And then your, your landlord, yeah. for want of a better expression, said, look, I need the place to expand. Unfortunately, yeah. I'm sure, and I'm sure, I'm sure there were, good about it. I don't know whether they were or not. I hope they were. But you now... I know they were. They were, yeah, they were nice about it. So you now don't have any place. And like you said, the Tusla approval system is takes months. Yeah. Yeah. It's just not a simple step. You can't just find the premises and move in. It just takes, you know, a lot of work and um, yeah, a lot of back and forth with Tusla and you know, they just have to come out and inspect the place, and it's, uh, you know, it's not as easy as it was before. There's regulations, the heating has to be right. There has to be like, um, for every eleven children, you have to have a toilet. So if you have twenty children, you need two toilets. You need a staff toilet. You need wheelchair access. You have to, have, you know, um, an outdoor garden, and you know, there's just so much involved. You know, the process. So um, I just wouldn't, you know, to find a suitable premises and. It's time-consuming, and um, unfortunately, I just decided it's it's just best. It's, it's not an option to open a place because it could take almost a year. Yeah, you know, yeah. Months. Is there a prospect that you might take a year out and come back when you had a place, or is that it for now? Yeah, it'd be great if that was, you know, if it happened. Um, but, you know, we're just starting all over again. I've lost the staff. i lost the children. Know. You know, it's like going back to square one again you know so I'm not saying it won't happen but you know if yeah. possible if, you, you had know, to you had to break it to your staff as well of course oh yeah 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 so yeah it wasn't a pleasant uh, experience and you know I just felt sorry for all the children I was looking forward to working with them in September and everything your life can change from one day to another yeah. <laughs> you just don't know what happens tomorrow so, yeah, yeah, it's terrible. It's so, so sad. You are a play mm. therapist, I think, by profession. So you're going to continue with that? Yeah. So um, I've been studying that for the past few years. So I was able to use it in the preschool as well because it was great. Um, you know, because you know, children would present with emotional and behavioural problems. So I just thought, you know, go and study that, help them in the preschool. So it did really good, you know, um, so help them. And um, also then I just started a private practice as well. Um, one day a week in Glanmire. 
So sorry, sorry, a Wednesday afternoon and a Friday. Okay. Can so I ask I an awful that. stupid question, uh, Sorry. Can I ask an Do. awful stupid question? <laughs> what what is play therapy? Okay, so first and foremost, there's no such thing as a stupid question, as it's say. Okay. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so play therapy um, actually is, uh, it's, you could be referred for play therapy for a number of reasons. For, it could be low self-esteem, excessive shyness, separation anxiety, eating problems, um, domestic violence, hospitalization, bereavement, emotional abuse, um any time, type of abuse, anger, um, issues, worry, sadness, trauma, ADHD, autism, the list goes on. There's right. so much. Um, but play therapy actually is, um, it's a bit like um, counselling for children with without the words because children don't have those words to express how they're feeling or they don't know how they feel sometimes. Yes. So it's... Um, toys are their natural way to express themselves and they would show you their inner world through their um, play and um, oh, so, so you, def- you can frame the yeah. conversation based on what they're playing with and how they're playing with it yeah well um, yeah it's not re- yeah you can reframe the conversation but it's um, what it actually is there's uh, specific toys they're all self-expressive toys I so yeah, so they would be like sand tray. So, for example, you would have symbols. Um, you'd have they're in categories like um, fantasy creatures, wild creatures, right. domestic um, animals, uh, people, transport, sea life. So, what it is is actually um, just for example, we'd say you'd put a cat into a sand tray. Now, a cat could be just a cat to a, a regular, you know, person. Yeah. But to a child, a cat could be um, a memory um, of the, of their cat dying or something, cat, you know, scratch them when they were a child. Okay. Or it could be a positive or a negative emotion that would bring it up in the sand tray. So it's up to you then to observe their, you know, their reactions and help them through that, you know, emotion. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so it's true that framing, oh, I can see that you're sad about this or, and then help them um, with their emotions. Very skilled work. uh, I love it. (laughs) So you're you're going to go full time at that now for a while you are? Well, I really, you know, I'm so glad I have it now because if if I didn't have this, I'd have, I'd have nothing. And because I'm self-employed, I wouldn't be entitled to social welfare. So it would be like... You know, I'd be in an awful predicament, you know. So I'm, I just, I'll have to do this full time. I don't have any other. Yeah, you're going to open a practice. You know, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I'm hoping to. I actually went to look at um, a premises in Yall um, for the, the preschool. I was just giving it one last shot, you know, and then uh, it wasn't um, suitable for the preschool. So I just thought, oh, well, you know. There's no play therapist in y'all, so maybe I could practice in y'all. So um, I was successful in, um, you know, uh, getting a, a building there. So it's in Brunishi in y'all. I'll be starting there in the next few weeks. Okay. So yeah, things just happen like that. And so. if people would like to get onto your books and maybe get 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 a place. Yeah, yeah, it'd be great. Um, How do they I'll do that? My number as well, if you want, you can. Yeah. Um, have you so, a website yeah. or a Facebook or what? Sorry, what's that? Sorry, have you got a Facebook or something that people can sign up with? Or um, 
Can well, we can I've we pass got... your number on if someone wants to call yeah, us? Do. Yeah. So um, I'll be doing business cards and I have to get that going now as well. But they can call me on, you can pass on my number or I can see it if, now if you want. I don't mind. If you want to give it a shout, yeah. Jack, go ahead. Okay, so uh, you can contact me on 087-6732-574. All right. So practicing you all. So, yeah, so I'd be delighted with that. Um, Wish you luck with that, Sharon. Wish you luck with that. Oh, thanks very much. Great, thanks. Sorry to hear about the the Montessori, but good good luck with the new play therapy practice. That's Sharon Welsh of Be Happy. Montessori, unfortunately, she's had to close that down, but she's a play therapist and she's going into that full time. If you want, if you're in Yall or East Cork in general and you feel your child might benefit from a bit of play therapy, 0876732574. 0876732574. Thanks for that. Uh, come back to RTE. Some, I love the way comments just drop in randomly. And I have to read them a couple of times to wonder, what on earth? What on earth are you saying to me, Dennis? Dennis says, the Minister for Transport was last seen looking at electric buses. Now it turns out they haven't been used because there's no infrastructure there to charge them. At least Ryan Tuberty put on a good show for his money. This particular government minister wastes money and nothing's done about him. Up next, our weekly feature, Hours to Protect, which looks at refill stores, among other things. That's next. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Corks 96 FM. Hours to Protect, brought to you by Cork's 96FM, the IBI, and funded by Commission Naman with the television license fee. Check out hourstoprotect.ie for more info. This week on Hours to Protect, we look at the rise in refilled stores and the impact they have on local communities as our awareness of waste and plastic pollution continues to grow. More and more zero-waste stores are popping up all over Ireland and these shops offer everything from food to bathroom essentials that can be purchased without all of the unnecessary packaging. I paid a visit to Wendy Hickey and her partner Andrea who own Earthway, a refill shop in Middleton. So Earthway Refill is a zero-waste, plastic-free way of shopping. So we store food in dispensers and scoops. We buy in bulk so that the customer then can buy in the quantity they want. You bring your own tub, you weigh it, you fill it up with your food, and then you re-weigh and so you just pay for the food that you want. And where did the idea and the inspiration come from to set it up? Like, about six years ago, I noticed how much plastic and waste we were having at home, and I had been seeing these shops in Canada and in Italy when I lived there, and so it kind of started making me think about how we could reduce our waste at home as well. We're all aware of how plastic waste has become a global crisis and often hear the experts warn us that there will be more plastic in the ocean than fish in the near future. By making small changes to the way we shop and the food we consume every day, we can slowly make a big difference and become one step closer to a zero waste and more eco-friendly way of life. So what exactly can you buy at a refill shop? So we do all your basic dry food, so anything from pastas, rice, flours, sugars, nuts, seeds, lentils, beans. Um, We do also olive oils, vinegars, 
um, all the household detergents, washing up liquid, shampoo, conditioners, body washes, um, they'd be all the refills, and then we do all uh, eco-friendly plastic free products a lot of it is Irish made so soaps, solid shampoo bars makeup remover pads all of those kind of things This month is known as Plastic Free July, a global movement that helps millions of people become part of the solution to plastic pollution so we can have cleaner streets, oceans and beautiful communities. Using reusable options cuts out all the unnecessary plastics involved in the shopping chain and Wendy explains the small things we can do to take part. One little change can make a big difference. So if you change even your toothbrush from the plastic one to one change, if you change your laundry detergent you keep bringing back in that same bottle over and over again you've saved about I don't know in three years we have one customer who comes in from the day we opened she's been bringing in her same laundry detergent bottle so how many has she saved from going into the recycling bin which then actually doesn't go into the recycling bin a lot of it is thrown into the sea this plastic free July, Wendy and Andrea have collaborated with local students who took part in Junkature, a fashion competition for post-primary school students where participants design, create and model fashion made from recycled items. Earthway are displaying the period piece on their shop window. They made a dress out of all the wrapping from period pads and so we have that in the window to highlight the amount of waste from period products alone showing the alternatives of having choice about using reusable pads and menstrual cups Katie owns Peach Vintage, an online consignment store selling pre-loved vintage and new clothing. Her concept is a simple one. If you have items in your wardrobe that still have tags on or are gently worn, someone will put your beautiful pieces to good use. Wendy and Andrea are helping her local business by giving Katie a platform in their shop. With my rework clothing and I suppose um, I'm now officially a designer, which is absolutely incredible, but I make one-off pieces and I'm very thankful to Wendy and Andrea for giving me a platform here in my t- in the town I live in and um, where I can showcase my pieces and if you see on the rail you'll notice that there's nothing the same um, so everything is one off I'm very par- much part of the slow fashion movement where I um, just do one piece at a time and I can I hope to continue doing that Refill shops are a new way of shopping for everyone who's interested in eating good quality food and using clean products while at the same time helping to eliminate plastic packaging To learn more visit Earthway Refill online or visit their shop in Middleton You can also so check out the show notes of this episode. Hours to Protect, brought to you by Cork's 96FM, the IBI, and funded by Commission Naman with the television license fee. Check out hours to protect.ie for more info. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, focused solely on your hearing health for over 35 years. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96FM. The lines are live. Hello. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96 this is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cox 96 FM. Yeah, we've had 1.5 centimetres roughly of rain in the last six hours. It's been pegging it down all morning. I'm just looking at my maps and charts and apps here to see is this mank going to clear anytime soon. It looks as if 
This is what time now? It's just gone 11 o'clock. It looks as if by about 2 o'clock, things will at least clear to something less crap. That's about the best I can promise you at this stage. I can't promise any sunshine. You certainly won't be sitting out on the deck tonight with a bottle of wine. But I think by about 2 o'clock, by about 2 o'clock, it should have dried up and brightened up quite a bit. And coming up towards the evening, you might even see a little splink of evening sunshine. But the worst is will be over in about another. It's been the most awful morning. A morning that belongs in January rather than July. Uh, although the temperatures would belie that. But yeah, uh, nothing to write home about over the weekend. I was trying to keep in, in tabs there with Carla Weather with Alan. He's still saying that around next week, around this day next week, around the 20th stroke 21st, you could see movement. But what's been going on is all that really hot weather down over Europe is sitting there. It's not moving. And for as long as it sits there, it doesn't get up far enough to block off the crap that we get in from the Atlantic, which is that stuff you're looking out at right now. If that heat, which is now sitting pretty and tight on top of Spain, Portugal and France and overheating them down there. In fairness, there's a heat wave down there in inland in Spain. It's like 49, 50 degrees in parts, which is too hot for Managod. That's sitting there now. That should move. If that moves any bit at all, it'll push that crap that we're looking at back out into the Atlantic and we might get a little bit of summer. Alan seems to think that might start happening towards the end of next week. Which would be good. We might talk to him actually maybe after the weekend or into the early part of next week when he has a bit of a better fix on the charts. Because in fairness, it's July. It's it's the second, coming into the second half of July. And those of us who are not lucky enough to get on a plane next weekend and go off to the sun will be looking for something to do with the kids up and down the country. So let's see if there's any bit of an improvement coming. Between now and then, we continue with other topics. Here's a topic that... Shirley has come to us uh, with a delicate, it's a delicate subject, Shirley, uh, before we even begin to talk about it. And I know that because of your background as a former social worker and indeed a former child protection worker, you will choose your words carefully, as we must do these days. You want to talk about children transitioning. Now, we are in a a new era with regard to LGBT plus and everything that goes with it and pride and all those things. Is it concerns you wanted to raise, Shirley, coming from a professional um, yes. background? Um, just first of all, I'm not someone who's opposed to gender changes. No. I, I just feel that what I see happening is sometimes even within the media, um, maybe with parents, maybe with adults, they might be pushing these issues a little bit too soon on children where they're not ready to make those type of decisions yet because um, children go through quite a few developmental changes as they're growing. Sure. And um, that's just my basic concern is when 
to, um, I feel it's better for the child to come to you rather than for you to go to the child and say, well, what is your gender? Mm. You know, um, I, I think that's a dangerous area. I read a piece of research, Shirley, in recent years, which indicated to me anyway, I seem to indicate to me that some children begin to think about their gender as young as four. Now, that seemed a bit preposterous to me, when mm-hmm. I, even while I was reading it. What do you think? Yes, and I'm not denying that that child had those feelings, but what I feel is it's more rare. You know, this doesn't happen all the time. Children really need to be molded, you know, in in a sense of when they're born, they need to be told if they're a boy or a girl. Their brains are not that developed yet on what sex I am. And maybe later on, as they're growing, they might find out, well, I prefer the feminine side of me. But does that necessarily mean that I want to change my gender? Or are we experimenting? You know? Yes. It's a trend in recent times. We had one uh, TD, a member of the Doyle, Paul Murphy, recently became a dad. Um, Mm -hmm. And he hasn't, and his partner have not discussed the gender of their child it's it's becoming a thing where people have a child and they don't they don't tell you whether they've had a boy or a girl and they say we're raising our child to a point where they will decide their own gender how do you um, feel about that run that by me again they've they've decided that they're going to choose the gender of their child they know they've decided that they're not going to they're not going to discuss gender okay Okay, are they ever they going to They won't assign a gender to the child. Oh, I, you know, one thing about children is we're molding them. When they're born and they're infants, their little minds are like putty. You know, they need to be told, what's this? If it's a boy and he has a penis, he needs to know what that is. You know, he's not going to know unless you tell him the same way if you point to a ball and he goes, what is this? If you don't tell him that's a ball, he's not going to know that's a ball. Yeah. You know, so they do need direction Mm. or they're going to run around without a lot of information that they need that they don't know. Yes. There's a term, I'm sure you've come across it, Shirley, and and you see it a lot on on social media, uh, the term AFAB or AMAB. The meaning of each is assigned male at birth, assigned female at birth. In other words, based on what the doctor sees when baby is delivered, a gender is assigned. Okay. How do you feel about that? Um... I really don't have one feeling that way or another. I do know there are situations where, um, for instance, uh, 
female um, genitalia can look female, and then later on things can happen where they actually produce a penis, you know? So there's no certain rule that says this is going to stay this way the rest of their lives. Yes, yes. We, We all understand now that as adults, people are making a decision that they transition from one gender to another. Mm-hmm. Um, your belief is that are we are we discussing this with children that are too small to understand? Yes, that is more. Um, I have a very strong fear of that. Okay, um, expand on that a little for me, Shirley. Well, one thing, children are very suggestive. What we say to them, they're like sponges. They absorb it, you know. And if you had a child, let's say, who was going through adolescence, adolescence is a hard time for everybody. You've got this surge of hormones going through you. Your body is changing in ways you don't understand. You're already confused. You know, what's happening to my body? And you naturally feel uncomfortable in your own skin. Mm -hmm. So if you were suggest at that time, you know, maybe you don't want to have breasts and you'd rather be a man. The child, which I would still call a child because they're a teenager, would maybe go, well, maybe it's my breasts that are bothering me. Maybe if I had a gender change and became a man, I'd feel much better about myself. Mm. And then it's happening in the States. I don't know about over here, but people are getting gender changes younger and younger, and they're coming up with later that they're not happy that they did that because they did that because... They were just uncomfortable in their skin rather than wanting a sex change. I've come across the term Mm detransitioning. Yes, and that's getting more popular than the other way. That people who transitioned even in their teens are coming back in their 20s and saying, no, I actually want to go back. And if they've physically transitioned, it's bordering on impossible. I mean, they can to a degree, but they're never going to get back to where they were. Yeah, yeah. Do you know, it's, it's an area that we must be so careful in discussing, Shirley, because I've spoken to people who have transitioned. I've spoken to parents of children who are, are teenagers who are transitioning. Yes. And, and you must accept that when someone wishes to, to transition, that is their yes. wish. But I think your warning as a professional is let don't 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 push it on the child. No. Don't let it be the first thing that comes into your head. If you see and this is something every child that I ever knew growing up dressed up. Yeah. Every 5-year-old boy. We all did it. Every 5-year-old boy took one of his sister's dresses out and put it on and wore it around the house. That doesn't mean he wants to transition. Exactly. And that's what's happening now. People are seeing little Johnny put on a dress and they're thinking, oh, he wants to be a girl. 
And that's not necessarily the case at all. He's just experimenting. He's having a little fun, you know, and let him have that fun and don't approach him. Don't criticize him and ask him, did he enjoy that? And he might say, yes, he did. And if he does it again, good. If he doesn't, well, good too. I have spoken to parents, for example, whose little boy will be invited to a birthday party, a fancy dress birthday party, and they want to go as Elsa out of Frozen. And the parent is thinking, oh, my God, does my child want to transition? No! (laughs) No! See, uh, that's what I hear, too, happening. And it worries me. It used to be people were afraid their children were going to be gay. And now they're afraid they're going to transition. They went to the next extreme. Mm. We are more accepting now, Shirley, and rightly so, of yes. that, that people sometimes are not happy in, in the gender that they're, that they're in and they want to change and they change and as adults they can make these decisions. Are you concerned that are we going a bit too far? Yes, I am very concerned about that. Um, I think we need to let the kids uh, evolve themselves. If you look at our brains, and when we are teenagers, our frontal lobes are still developing. So, for instance, the um, your reasoning, your judgment your impulse control, all the necessities that you need to become an adult are just starting to form when you're a teenager. And your brain keeps developing until you're 25 years of old. Mm. So it takes a long time for us to become full adults, you know, So people want to keep that in mind, that these are little minds that aren't fully developed. Mm. Yeah. If your 12-year-old says to you, Mom, I think I want to be a girl. Mm Mm-hmm. How do you you continue that conversation? Well, you would ask him, are you wanting to play and act? up like a girl or do you really want to be a girl and if he says he really wants to be a girl I think I would say well let's wait and see and if when you get older you still want to be a girl we'll take a look at that and see what we can do about it but for now I think you should stay a boy, and if you want to play with girl things, that's fine. And if you want to wear your sister's dress, is yes. that okay? Yeah. yeah. Now, I preferably, sometimes they allow them to wear them to school. Yeah. I don't agree with that because of bullying and things that can go on. I I think it's okay for them to wear them at home, but to wear them, society isn't very nice, you know, and we don't want to subject our children 
to that at too early of a stage, especially. Because mm. when they get older and go through gender change, there is a lot of psychologically testing that goes along with that. And they're going to be all prepared for that kind of, you know, situation. Mm. But now while they're so young, I, I wouldn't put a child in a dress and send them to school. But I would allow him to wear it around the house or playing outside. Okay. One, one, one last one for you with regards to the school. And I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't like to identify anybody here, Shirley, but I am aware in a broad sense of a school where it's a mixed school and a little boy went home in June and a little uh-huh. girl came back in his place in September. And the children were told that that's how it is. Right, okay. How about that practice? Um, I could see it possibly working in the school, but see, it's more society, too. You know, he's not going to be only in the school. He's going to be walking down the street. He's, you know, what he faces on his way to school could be a problem, too. Um, I just would, I could see that it could be a possibility, but I would lean more to just doing it at home or, you know, like in the front yard or something like that. And if you still feel that way in a couple of years time, we'll talk some more. Yeah. Yeah. You keep talking, keep the, allow your children to have that open communication whenever they want to come to you. No, no, nothing, nothing's off the table if your child wants to talk about it. Yes, yes. Keep, keep talking. Keep okay. talking. Okay, Shirley, it's been good to speak with you. Shirley Petrie is a former social worker, child protection background, and just came to us because she wanted to put a few things out there with regard to the number of or the the number of children now discussing transitioning and. It's such a massive subject. And we just put it out there for what it's worth. Shirley, thank you so much for your contribution. We will podcast that. You can listen back to it and react to it as you choose. I don't propose to take any instant reactions unless they're there. But have a listen back to that. Um, Because there have been changes in the last 10 years. Many changes. Some positive. Some perhaps not. And there are many, many, many elements of it that you kind of don't talk about. But Shirley is saying we have to talk about them. 0818969696. John says, common sense, best piece of radio on this issue in a very long time. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Cox 96 FM. Lorraine and Ross in the morning on Cork's 96 FM. The countdown is on. Okay, Lorraine, show checklist. Thousands of euros to give away. Sorted. A massive celebrity guest. Yeah. Flaming flamingos on a trampoline. Oh, I'm working on it. You're letting the side down now. Join us for the brand new breakfast show Monday from 6 on Cork's 96 FM. To the phones, Anita. Hi, how are you? What happened? Um. So we have a community project in Crosshaven uh, where we've been maintaining an old graveyard 
and we have six sheep that come down to us every year and they work as lawnmowers. This year we brought down Spotty, who's a, a young lamb. Um, and yesterday, unfortunately, somebody out walking with their dogs, had the dogs off the lead and Spotty got attacked. Oh, no. He, he did. Now, just to say he's going to make a full recovery, he did survive. But he was left badly injured in the graveyard with with nobody around him. How old is um, he, Anita? He was born in February, mm. so he's still quite young. Little baby. Yeah, but he's a good size all the same. You know, he is a good weight. But by all accounts, it was two dogs attacked and he was left there um, basically waiting for somebody to come and help him. Now, a passerby did raise the alarm to us and we're hoping within an hour that we had got the medical care that he needed, that he wasn't left there for, for many hours. But he was left there badly, badly damaged um, in in the public area. Yes. You're asking people who are walking down there around Temple Breedy and that general area, gorgeous part of the world, of course, when the weather is good. Yeah. Um, please, please don't let your dogs off their lead. Well, you know, we're just appealing to people for the graveyard project in particular. We have signage up. We tell people on a regular basis. We post it on our Facebook page. I'm up with the the sheep pretty much every day. Anybody I meet, I'm asking them, please keep your dogs on the lead. It doesn't matter how well behaved your dog is at home or whether they're off the lead or what breed they are. It's a natural instinct to attack. And that's what happened yesterday. You know, there's other livestock in that area as well. Granted, a lot of them would be calves, they'd be bigger. But you you don't know what's around the corner. And we are appealing for people, please keep your dogs on the lead. Yes. Now, there's a, unfortunately, as a result of this, there's, there's a, a very sizable veterinary bill. There is a vet bill. Um, I don't know if it's totaled yet because he has to go back to the vets. Um, we need to leave the in- injuries settle and see what if there's any other damage done. His back leg was badly attacked. Um, saying that, even from our Facebook page, the Temple Breedy SOS, he we have got message after message from people checking on Spotty, offering to pay towards it. People have been absolutely fantastic, which as Spotty Shepherd means a lot and it's made it a whole lot easier to digest. You know, the positivity has outweighed the negativity. But yeah, there there is now, he went to Abbeville Vets in Carrigaline. I can't speak highly enough for Mm. the way they treated. God love us, they came out with a little stretcher and all to bring him in out of the car. Um, they worked magic on him and they did a, a, a fantastic job yeah. with him. But it's a business. They need to be paid for their work as well. Yeah. Anita, talk to me a little bit about Spotty and his little pals and why they <laughs> are up in Temple Breeding. Well, the project itself is a volunteer project. It began trying to restore the steeple of an old church in a very old overgrown graveyard. Um, because it's so old, a lot of headstones aren't there. There's marker stones in place to mark the graves. So we can't use any machinery or anything that would break ground to keep the grass low. We did have goats originally and they came in, they cleared the overgrowth and they ate a lot of briars and bark 
But then we brought the sheep in because the sheep will eat grass. So every year from kind of May until August, we have our six sheep that come down. They're penned in. Um, we move the pen every week so they have fresh grass to eat. And they take down the level of the grass and maintain the levels of the grass when the growth is high. So it's um, an eco-friendly project that we have up there. And it's a bit of a tourist attraction in itself, I suggest. I go to the sheep every evening, every time between 7 and 9 p.m., just to leave them out, have them run around. And I am inundated with people coming to visit them because the sheep are friendly. They can come up, you can rub them, you can feed them. The girls are cu- the girls being the sheep are curious of other people and want to come up and see who they are. So they will approach people. And it's really one of the only times people will ever get to touch sheep or to rub them or to feed them or anything. So it is a great educational process as mm. well as you anything. you get a lot of kids up for a look? You know, we do get a lot of kids, but in the evening times, it's adults. It's, really? it's unbelievable the adults and I'm talking we could say your teens right up into to older people foreign visitors locals yeah. people coming down from the city because they've seen on Facebook that the sheep are back we have a constant stream of visitors yeah. that come and visit the girls and they're taken by the cuteness they are and that's the reason we brought Spotty down is because Spotty was rejected by his mum and was Hand reared in the kitchen, bottle fed for kitchen. two months. <laughs> yes, in the kitchen of the, the house. Um, now he was caged where he wasn't left to run around the place, but he was hand reared. He grew up with the dogs. He plays out in the yard with the dogs. And so he doesn't have a fear of dogs. And that would make him vulnerable because a strange it dog. Did. Yeah. yeah, he, you know, he obviously saw dogs yesterday and they had a different intention to him. But because of the way he was reared, he sees himself as a dog. He he doesn't want to be a sheep, and he want. That's why we brought him to Temple Breedy because there's constant stream of people. He loves people, and he loves dogs. And you know, in Temple, it would be a constant change of scene for him as well. Yeah. Have you heard anything from the owners of the dogs that attacked him? Unfortunately, not. No. No. I'm their shepherd. I look after them when they're in Temple Breedy and I would look after them during the year as well. But both myself and their owner, we don't want to take it any further. We're not looking for compensation. We we just want to know that their dogs are going to be kept on the lead because once a dog gets a taste of blood at all, yes. it's going to be an instinct. Yes, yes. So, as I say... You know, we're not going to name and shame anybody. We're not in. That's not what this is about. It's just knowing that our sheep and our lambs are safe there in future. The chances are, Anita, one, well, giving the benefit of the doubt, as one is inclined to do, the chances are this is just somebody who, who didn't realise what was going on until it was too late and dragged their dog away. I would imagine so. And I mean, God, it could have been anybody. You know, it it was unfortunate that it was this person, whoever it was. But we're here, we're 24 hours later. It's been on social media. We haven't been quiet about it. And we haven't heard anything. I mean, an apology is the very least that we would like from somebody. As I said, 
we're not taking it further. There's not going to be prosecutions or anything. We just want an apology. You very badly injured our animals, you know. If you had an opportunity to address them directly, let's let's imagine they're listening to us on a phone yeah. or a speaker or a radio. Address them directly, Anita. That's I'm going to repeat what I said. We, you know, we don't want this to be going any further. We don't want bad feelings over it. We just want an apology and for you to acknowledge that your animals did this um, to our animals. You know, if it was the other way around and one of our animals badly injured yours, you'd want answers too. Um, we're not looking for you to, to to go social media on it. Come to us. We've given opportunities. We've given contact numbers. Just to apologise, acknowledge it, and just let us know that you've learned from this as well. And it's not like you're going to come and ring me and tell me who it was. This would no, be in confidence entirely. Absolutely in confidence. I've given two numbers, uh, one for myself and another for one of the ladies that's involved with the Temple Breedy Sheep. Our two numbers are there. We both run the Facebook page, so it's us you would be messaging and that's as far as it will go. It's not going broad. We're not going to publicise it. Okay. Alicia, how are things going down there for, for the season? Is the, is, the, is, the, um, is the old fort open? The fort isn't open at the moment. There's just been a lot of back and forth, and unfortunately time has passed with it. Um, there is talks that maybe it will open later in the year for weekends, yeah. but at the moment uh, plans are on hold with the volunteers. Um, yeah. It's we just were waiting, basically. Having put in one of the most wonderfully positioned cafes in the Western world, it's <laughs> yes. so sad not to be able to get in there. It is, but you know, once everything is sorted out and going forward, the cafe will still be there and will be for many years ahead, hopefully. So Fantastic. it's, you know, unfortunately, I know we all blame COVID a lot, but it, it did play a big part yeah. in Camden and having to keep us out of it. Well, my, so, my boy, my boy, I brought him for coffee there once. Yeah. And every time we go near Crosshaven, he always says, Dad, when are we going back to that cafe? Well, hopefully, hopefully he won't have to wait too much longer. As I say, look, there are plans in Good. place. Um, there are talks going on and hopefully it will be a positive outcome in the near future. All right, Anita. Great talking to you. Great to catch up. Thank you. That's Anita. From Temple um look, if it was your dog that attacked um, Spotty, just get in touch and say you're sorry. And Anita's not going to say it. She's too polite to say it, but a couple of quid towards the vet's bill wouldn't go amiss, you know? If, if you had it, you may not, but if you had a couple of quid towards the... Um, the vet's bill. 0818 96 96 96. Hi there. Our men's shed in Douglas is hosting a fundraiser next Wednesday night in St. Columbus Hall, the Tinney Shed, for motor neuron disease. We're looking for prizes, donations and people to attend. Wondering, could you promote it on the radio? Uh, we'll talk if you need it. That's from Ronan Clark, uh, Secretary of Douglas Frankfield Men's Shed. Yep. Great, listen, a great movement, the men's shed, a great movement. And there used to be this idea that the men's shed was for outfless. It's far from it. Anybody over 25, I think, can be a member of a men's shed. And by which to connect to another men's shed that I know that opened a whole new premises last weekend. And I'm so sorry, I must apologise to my, my good friend Martin Parfrey and Carrie Glein, who invited me down for a, a look at their new men's, men's shed 
in Carrigaline, which I'm told is state of the art. I haven't had a chance to be down to see it yet, Martin. I will soon, I promise. But the Carrigaline men's shed had a big opening last weekend and it was a super success. Uh, back to uh, miscarriages. Great interview with Carol this morning. What a brave and inspiring lady. Having had two miscarriages myself over the last couple of years, I know the pain and grief experienced and I sought little, and I sought little support. I have so much gratitude now for my little boy, but still hope for a second baby. Best wishes to Carol and we'll podcast that interview of Carol uh, after the show. Good morning and thank you to everyone from Suit Distributors in Ballycoreen. Uh, good friend Dave and the crew up there have donated two vouchers to the Men's Shed Fundraiser in Douglas in St. Columbus Hall next week. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, team. See you soon, guys. 0818 96 96 96. There is mayhem in the cinemas and it isn't even on screen here yet. It is... Crossy, you've seen it, but you're not allowed to tell me about it for now, but you have seen it. Did you enjoy it? I can't even say that. It's so strange. Do you know, I've never been to a movie before where there was so much quietness. I've signed about 10 different forms. Um, You usually get to see the movie in Dublin beforehand, and then if you're going to the interviews, you get flown over to London to do it or wherever else it is. They didn't even show the screening in Dublin. I had to fly over to London last week to watch it oh, and then come shit. back up. I, yeah, it, no, it was, it, you know, yourself, but that's how crazy it was. Wow. That, 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 that's, nobody around the world is allowed to talk about it until next Thursday morning. Wow. Yeah, and I was on the red carpet, sorry, the pink carpet during the week and all the stars were there. Nicola Coughlin, you got Margot Robbie who's the main character and it's Ryan Gosling the main character. But then you've loads of little parts. Like remember Bryn from Gavin and Stacey? Yeah. Uh, Rob Brydon, he's in it as well. I told Rob Brydon he was in it for 45 seconds. He didn't know. He thought he was cut. He thought he was cut from it. I was looking at the trailers and I was looking at the... the um, what's the name of the damn thing? The soundtrack, which is on Spotify, and I think Kylie Minogue's new single is is in it. The soundtrack's exciting. The, it's the trailers are really colourful, and I can't imagine. Here we are, two grown men talking about a movie about a doll, and the enthusiasm is infectious. It's cool. It's so it's so good. Uh, Billy Eilish released a brand new song last night called "What Was I Made For." If you have a listen to it, I did. That, it's brilliant. It's so good. <laughs> now, the only thing I can say, because I did ask this question if I was allowed to this, I bawled when I was crying twice, and I don't cry at movies. You bawled your eyes out twice at a movie about a doll. Okay. And I, and I, do, and I don't cry at movies. The only movie I have ever cried at before was About Time. You know that movie with Donald Gleason? Yeah. That's the only movie I've ever cried at. I haven't cried at E.T. I, 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 no, I'm not, I'm not really a crier with movies. So that's the only thing I can tell you about the movie. That's the only thing I can say, okay. that I am not a crier, but if you cry at it about time, you're going to cry at this. You've made one mistake this morning, Crossy. You've yeah. mispronounced Nicola's name. It's Colin. Is it not Colin? It's Colin. You're in Cork now. <laughs> yes, when you yes, talk yeah. to us, there's no such thing as Coughlin and Cork. She's she's Colin. You got to, you, you, you've been talking to her. You got to say, you got to talk to her. I did. She's beautiful. 
She's she's really she's of course her background is Derry girls, isn't she? And she's huge now. She's friends with the Kardashians now, which you know it sounds like the Kardashians could be kind of normal. The fact that Nicola hangs around with them, she's very genuine. When I called up with her, I was like, "You're the first Barbie. How do you feel? Like the first Irish Barbie?" That's Oh, you have it, you have it. Brilliant. I have it here, yeah. You are the first Irish Barbie. Asher, would you look? Asher, look, isn't it? Great day for the parish. Great day for the parish. What was it like at home when you said something like this was going to happen? Well, it's really funny because I think my mum doesn't really know who anyone is. So she very much, like, one day she thought I said I got nominated for an Emmy. She missed something. She went, that's great. We need to go down to Tesco now and get the... So it's very, you know. <laughs> yeah. People are going to be so shocked when they saw the movie. I watched it last night. I bawled my eyes out. It's really special. I mean, Gretchen has been one of my favourite filmmakers since Francis. Ha, I watched that when I was like a properly struggling actor. I had moved to London in my 20s and everything she's made has just been perfect. And people don't, I think people haven't gotten the fact yet that this is a Greta Gerwig movie. Yes, it's Barbie and it's pink and fabulous, but it's got such heart, integrity. It's got the most incredible ensemble cast. To be in this movie for two seconds, I'm like, I feel incredibly privileged. I'm so excited to see it. Have you not seen it yet? I have not seen it yet. Get ready to cry, but love cry. It's beautiful. I can't. I got some fancy makeup on. Hang on, she's in it and she hasn't seen it. And do you know what? The only two people on that carpet that saw it were Ryan Gosling and Margot Robbie. The rest of them hadn't seen it. Um, and there's loads of there's loads of interviews that I have that we'll be showing you all next week that I can't put out because the actors start asking me questions about the movie because they were afraid either they were cut or they weren't in it as much or they weren't funny in it. Like, it, it, it's bizarre. Um, another little wild thing that happens in this, right, when you're on the pink carpet or the red carpet or whatever it is, when the junkets on, they're the actors that walk up the carpet. Every time they're the actors that walk yeah. up the carpet. And then you get a booklet when you're on the carpet and it says there's, you know, reality stars, soap stars, older people in the movie. But they're never there. It's just right. the people who are at the junket that are there. So I'm standing beside this, these two shy girls, one either side of me. They were from two other other networks. Mm-hmm. And um, they were asking me, they were like, oh, Jesus, this person. And I was like, ah, look, girls, don't be worrying about them. They're not going to be there. The only people are going to be Margot, Ryan and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. It's all weird, of a sudden, all of a sudden, ladies and gentlemen, it's Dua Lipa. Dua Lipa arrived. Sam Smith arrived. Nicola arrived. Will Ferrell arrived. And they weren't at the junket. It was, I swear to God, I've never been around so many famous people. And the girl to my left, who was really shy, was from British Vogue. And all the people had to talk to her. So I was, I would say, a centimetre away from Dua Lipa. Looking at her, she's the most stunning-looking woman I've ever met in my life. There are Barbie parties planned for next weekend when it all opens. I know there are, it's mad, and they'll be grown. By the sounds of things, there'll be grown men at it. Crossy, we'll talk again. This is the biggest movie sensation of the year, and he's not even allowed to tell us whether he liked it. Barbie the movie opens next next weekend. Where are we going here? Uh, it's a certain new breed of madness will be joining us on Monday morning. They're in front of me right now, Lorraine and Ross. You've been practising and getting ready all week. Are you ready, Lorraine? I think we're, we're just about ready, aren't yeah. we? I think we're ready to go. Yeah, yeah we're, we're yeah. excited. I'm getting used to it. You know what I mean? Like, presenting with a woman is totally different. I have to, you know, not walking around with your jocks, eating, you know, cheese straight from a bag is kind of like, there was an email sent out. So, all okay. those things now, it's like, you know, wearing trousers, you know, put the cheese on a plate for us, all that kind of stuff. It's uh, <laughs> it's 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 an acclimation process. Are you, are you ready for this, Lorraine? I mean, I've been given all the warnings. I've been told, look, don't feed him after midnight. Mm-hmm. He can't get his fur wet. No bright lights, that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, so yeah. yeah, I've been given all the warnings. I think good. we're good to go now. Yeah, lads, good luck with it. I know that the plan is 
there's nothing you won't try. 100%. Yeah. This is the most excited I've been about doing radio in the last six years. Like, I am, oh, I am chomping at the bit now. Like, I've got a passion for radio. I've got a passion for this now that it's like, I feel like a massive new lease of life on this show. Those of us who are used to you and those of us who are used to you in the afternoons bringing the two together in the mornings, we are petrified <laughs> with you. By the way, we've got a mega guest on Monday. Mm-hmm. Eight until nine for the full hour in studio. Like, when I say mega guest, I told my 14-year-old daughter on Friday because I know she can keep a secret. She lost her mind. Yeah. We have been sworn to secrecy. We we can tell you that this is a person who is internationally known. We're talking big. Yeah, and only four people in the building know. And two of them are the ones that can fire us. <laughs> okay, which means you're not going to tell me. No. All right, you okay, got to tune in. Lorraine and Ross in the morning, six to nine from Monday. Good luck, you two. Oh, Just six leave. to nine? I thought you were saying something totally leave different. Leave me. <laughs> shut up, you see? Shut up. Leave me a studio to come into at nine o'clock, will you? That's it. All right. All right that, don't go over. <laughs> All right, stop, get out, get out. Bye, BJ. <laughs> Program edited by Imro Hay, produced and researched by Richard Vickery, destroyed at the end by Lorraine and Ross. Thank you for joining the conversation in whatever way you did. And we'll talk to you Monday if we all still have jobs just after nine. Join the conversation. This is The Opinion Live. With Hidden Hearing, changing lives with the latest hearing health technology. They're all ears. Visit hiddenhearing.ie. Quartz 96 FM.